Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 214 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with... Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, so what have you been up to since you were, you were on a few weeks ago, weren't you, so? Yeah, I watched, uh, well, No Good Nick came out with yes. uh, part two. Uh, this is Melissa Joan Hart's um, series. Well, it's kind of her. She's not actually playing the lead, lead character. Cause the lead, lead character's character is, a kid, is Nick. yeah. Yeah, because I remember when I watched and reviewed uh, the first part back in April, uh, and I thought, oh, that's like season one. And it said part one. I was like, oh, okay, I wonder why it's called part one. And then they released part two. And then about four or five days after part two came out, Melissa, uh, she posted like, oh, hopefully you guys enjoyed, you know, No Good Nick part two. Let's hope for a season two renewal. So I'm imagining then that part one and part two are just uh, two halves of season one, basically, which is not a thing for Netflix to do, because usually they, you know, put the whole season of something out at yeah, once. Yeah, I've yeah. done that with a few shows. They I did mean, it with Sabrina. Yeah, Sabrina's referred to as, as parts, and The Ranch was referred to in parts as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's a little weird that they do that with some shows and not others, but I don't know whether it's a plotting thing, maybe. I I, mean, I don't know. It's strange. I don't know why they refer to some shows in parts and some shows in seasons. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, I will all say that with the end of the first part or whatever that is now, now that i kind of look at things overall now that they've released the, the two parts it is kind of a mid-season cliffhanger right. way okay because um, it does obviously it continues from there and then goes forward yeah they they really uh obviously won't spoil anything uh it's a very like spoilery heavy sort of second part of the season because uh, they just answer like a ton of questions and there's like a whole uh backstory episode with nick and what happened with the restaurant before and everything right um but like i can't really get into any of that without, without spoiling, <laughs> spoiling anything, anything. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they go back and they answer a whole ton of questions um, and just their explanations of everything is is quite good and leaves things off in a, an interesting place for uh, season two. Although after like obviously watching what's now, I suppose, season one, it's hard to tell how long the show can really go on for, I suppose. I don't know if like the showrunner's got two, three, four, five seasons planned or whatnot, but uh, they're hoping for a season two renewal. So because it's going right, to go okay. in a bit of a different re- direction, I, I presume, from season two. But right. then again, I don't know what's going to happen in the season so but no I enjoyed the season it, it started off um, it's kind of like I said in the um, part two review that I did uh, it's sort of the first two episodes are in like the first or second gear to use like a car metaphor, metaphor I suppose <laughs> yeah. and then it kind of jumps into fifth gear like the next couple of episodes and then it stays there for the rest of the season so it starts off a little bit slow they do set up a couple of things once those things are set up 
they just go ahead and tell you the rest of the story, basically. Mm. Um, and w- once you basically get to that point, which is only two episodes, and again, this is a uh, like thirty minute yeah. uh, episode thing, it just stays there and it's like thoroughly enjoyable for the rest of the uh, second part. So yeah, really enjoyed that. And um, yes, yeah, so it's like I said as well in the podcast I did. Netflix Netflix has had the uh, the axe out a little bit more recently with like the OA. And, yeah, they um, have some other um, stuff. So hopefully they'd uh, renew this, which we'll wait and see. Yeah, so. they they seem to be okay with getting you know if the numbers have been okay for season one they're renewing for season two but there seems to be quite a big drop off from sort of season two to season three season three to season four they're Mm cancelling quite a lot of things after three seasons that seems to be the major cutoff point I mean I was surprised at the OA there's been quite a lot of people I think surprised by the OA cancellation there's a rumour floating around that it was kind of it's some sort of meta cancellation that it's not really a cancellation and that it's going to come back but I think that's wishful thinking on the fans part that it was some sort of it's some misdirect as part of the marketing strategy but I I don't believe that's the case (laughs) at all I think they have actually cancelled it right that would be both weird and kind of stupid yes yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah because that wouldn't be like a uh, what was that thing that came back timeless it got like yeah got a movie movie that's not like that it it may be I mean it may be there was a bit of an outcry uh, uh, the cancel I was surprised at the amount of reaction that there was to this cancellation. But I I think like a lot of people with the OA, you maybe watched the first season and then either hadn't realized there was a second season or didn't go back to it. And Mm. which I'm very much guilty of. I, I don't think, I think I've still got a few episodes of season one to watch as well. So there seems to have been quite a drop off, which makes sense. There was a lot of people posting going, Oh yeah, you know, I enjoyed it, but it would have rumbled along a bit too long and, and, you know I fell away from it or I I didn't watch the second season so uh, yeah I think there was probably quite a drop off from one to two and Mm -hmm. that seems to have resulted in that cancellation but overall they have got a bit harsher with their uh, cancellation strategy recently so Mm -hmm. we'll have to see yeah uh, but yeah that's no good Nick uh, parts one and part two I I suppose as well Um, and yeah it was like a a couple of weeks before that Melissa was like hey no good Nick in like two weeks and I was like oh I wasn't prepared for that so (laughs) uh, but uh, and I suppose so um yeah that's part two of that that's on netflix obviously so go and have a look at that uh, apex construct have you heard of this game apex vaguely rings a bell but not right apex, apex legends is the right um, yes that's what i know the, the fortnite yeah. titanfall game but this is apex construct it's a it's a different game okay this is a basically a first person playstation vr game where you're in kind of a dystopian ish sort of future i don't know quite how to describe it but uh, it's definitely like futuristic stuff in there um, and yeah, you're using a bow and arrow in first person and oh, cool. uh, I don't know if you can play it with the DualShock 4, but I am using the, uh, move two move controllers and basically yeah. one of them, one of them controls the arrow, one of them controls the bow. And there's also sections where you'll need to type on computers. And what you basically have to do is bring up the, this little menu that you've got, click on the hands icon and have both of the hands out. So you put the bow and arrow away. Yeah. And then there's these like big computers with like codes and stuff on them. And there's like these little navigation menus. And the funny thing is when you're just out in the normal part of the world, the hands will be like sort of open. And then when you put your hands closer towards the keys, it will sort of do it. So it points two of the fingers out and then you start typing with that. It's quite, it's quite well done with, um, <laughs> with how they managed to do that. Uh, it's a little bit awkward the first couple of times you do it, but um, it's kind of cool. Uh, and then, yeah, with certain computers, you go around and you find the codes and then you go and type them in and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's basically these like little robots around the world and there's this um, you've been sort of I think not resurrected but like you had your hand chopped off or something at the start and you have this cool sort of technology sort of hand or whatever right. um, which allows you to use the 
bow and arrow and all this sort of stuff. And there's like a story behind it and everything, which gets obviously revealed as you go through. You, you essentially fight these like robots and you use your bow and arrow and it's, it's really, really well done. So um, I quite enjoyed that. And then later on in the game, you get like explosive arrows and electric uh, electricity sort of arrows. Uh, and you use them also to open certain doors and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, at, at times it's a little bit awkward and you can get a little bit lost, but uh, the fights are quite cool. So uh, it just depends on how accurate you are with the bow and arrow. Yeah. Because uh, I wasn't in some situations, but yeah, it was quite fun. I, so I need um, to go back and play a bit more of the PSVR, right? I mean, I have it and I just haven't really played around with it all that much after my initial kind of run through with it. And I need to go and play with it a bit more. But I, I noticed there is a big update coming for No Man's Sky, um, yes. which I have on PC, but I don't have on uh, PlayStation at the moment. But one of the things that they're adding in the update when it comes out, it's not out yet, which is No Man's Sky Beyond, I think it's called. Yeah, Beyond. That is going to have a VR update as part of it. And it is out on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one that I may, might end up buying on PlayStation as well, because I think that will be awesome in VR. So uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be one definitely worth playing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I will, that might draw me back into the PSVR a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's got some uh, cool like navigation stuff as well, like the way you can turn around and uh, it's got, so I don't know how to describe it, you sort of hold a button and it's got like this teleport thing and then you sort of aim where you want to go next. I think they did right, the same yeah, thing yeah. in Skyrim, but I haven't played yes, uh, Skyrim yes, VR. Yes, it did. And um, it gets fairly easy to get used to like straight away almost. I sort mm-hmm. of got used to it very quickly and then you just turn around with different buttons and stuff. So yeah, really enjoyed that. That was really good. So yeah, Daniel James, he came on yesterday against Chelsea basically uh, for Man United obviously and uh, we beat them 4-0 yesterday and I'll keep this uh, brief as well. <laughs> but the reason I'm specifically bringing up Daniel James of course because other players scored the other three goals is uh, he signed from Swansea for 15 million which is surprisingly cheap in today's market <laughs> given the fact of how much we brought Maguire for which was 80 million and uh, the reason I'm specifically bringing him up is because a few days before he actually signed for Man United his uh, dad passed away unfortunately which was uh, in some point in June or July I can't remember when we brought him he signed obviously for us like a couple of days later with like how obviously happy the Man United fans were when we were 3-0 up and everything and then he goes and scores the fourth goal he comes on his Man United debut it's like a really big you know yeah, deal for yeah. him and everything and he's I think he's either 21 or 22 um, and he's our sort of new Welsh winger and of course the previous one we had was Ryan Giggs of course big oh, Man United legend yeah. And uh, so he's got all this like, you know, behind him, like Man United debut. And then he knows there's the history with gigs and it's his debut and everything and his uh, dad passing away and stuff. So, yeah, he comes on and scores quite a good goal, actually. Wow. And uh, yeah, he just uh, he got really emotional. So, yeah, it was uh, not surprising. In, in the nicest way, his, his dad would be really proud of him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and uh, I myself, I'm personally really excited to see the rest of him. And there's a particular player that we're picking at the moment called Lingard, who I don't think is anywhere near as good. And I think that we should be picking uh, James over him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's one for the future, but I think we should be using him like right now. And so. of course, part of the reason we're talking about football is because you also have a Man United podcast as well. Uh, where can yeah. they find that? Uh, it's the United cast on entertainmenttalk.org and uh, podcast platforms. Yeah. And I, of course, did a review for the full match. So check that out as well. But yes, cool. good luck to James his dad will be proud so uh looking forward to that yeah yeah so, yeah so uh the other thing that we wanted to talk about because we both had this on our list was uh mm-hmm. the there was a, something that slipped out last week as part of the um television critics association summer tour which is a thing where they go and show a bunch of the new shows to the press and stuff and, and announce stuff that's coming up one of the things that came out of that was this this sort of oh and comment that came out from the arrowverse guys which was 
is, oh, we're also looking at bringing in another brand new show next year. But I mean, they're still formulating ideas. They're not sort of saying exactly what it is, um, but they're talking about bringing in a possible brand new show, uh, which presumably would go out either in October or would be going as a mid-season replacement in 2021. But they're talking about announcing a new show next year. And there's been a lot of things flying around about what this show could actually be. And there's various possibilities that we've sort of been bandering around. I'm hearing rumours that maybe it's possible that it's going to be somebody that hasn't shown up in the Arrowverse already. But they have got some possibilities. If If that isn't true, there are some possibilities of things that they could do with characters that have been in shows already so i mean what would you like to see i'd even like to see a birds of prey thing with laurel diner and uh sarah or i'd like to see a uh, like a justice league type show but i think if you did a justice league show which is obviously a new group show i think you'd have to replace legends yeah Um, and i mean well if you did birds of prey you'd sort of have to replace legends as well or because sarah is such a key part of of that group at the moment i mean she's the leader of that group now and you sort of need to to replace legends and i love legends it's wonderfully stupid but um i you know if if they're going to replace one of the existing shows i think legends is the most likely one that they would replace i don't see them doing a justice league show i mean i like the idea but i don't see them doing it because of the fact that they are doing justice league on the big screen or trying to i mean that's stalled a bit at the moment but yeah you know um that's a whole of the conversation but right. <laughs> but yeah you know i think they would struggle to do that as a tv show if mm-hmm. you know given that the characters are being used on the big screen because i wrote down superman in the justice league thing, and i just think you could do something else with uh tyler yeah so. i mean i i would like them to be able to utilize superman a little bit more i i'm not sure whether they would want an entire show that is superman not when they've already got supergirl running right. uh so yeah. i can't see them having an entire show but part of a team possibly mm-hmm. i mean i'd like to see some more bat related stuff but i don't think they do two bat shows in a row and given no, the last they're thing just getting a uh, batwoman this, this yeah. october so, so I, I can't see them doing two bat shows in a row uh if they did one of the ones they could go for were batman beyond which would allow them to use the older version of bruce wayne um because as we said last week kevin conroy who voices batman he's going to show up as an older bruce wayne and Mm -hmm. uh, it would be interesting to see kevin conroy playing that version of bruce wayne with a young terry mcgillis as batman for a batman beyond series Uh, i would love to see that how much batman stuff could he do though or would he just or would he just be an old mentor no he's an old in in the if you've not seen the batman beyond series he's he's the mentor he's basically Mm -hmm doesn't do any Batman stuff himself. He's the old mentor and uh, Terry McGillis is actually Batman. He's a, he's, but he's a sort of very technically advanced Batman and that's all set in the future. So that would also give you the opportunity to introduce potentially the other people that they've set up from Arrow, the, the younger kids as part of that group. You could maybe do it that way. Yeah. Because that was one of the suggestions would be they do a kind of, you know, an arrow beyond because they are casting a bunch of kids. Well, we've seen some of them that they've they've added some more in for this final season of Arrow. So you could potentially do some sort of Arrow spin-off, which is is just the children. That would be one way of doing it. And then you could introduce potentially Terry McGillis's Batman 
in there as well. Yeah, because that could almost be like a Young Justice esque sort of yeah, yeah, thing exactly. in a way. Yeah, Young Justice sort of um, sort of thing. Because then you the could way. then you could use people we haven't seen for a while as well, like Wally and Jesse and and some of those other characters. There's, there's a lot of characters you could use for that. Yeah. Well, one one similar thing that me and Robert have talked about on the the CW Superheroes podcast is if you did a show, I don't know if it'll be like you rename the Arrowverse or if it's just a show, we hadn't quite got that far with the idea, mm-hmm. but like an Arrowverse 2049. So the, the, uh, when Nora is in the future and you could essentially, essentially use the same characters as we just mentioned, but like a futuristic show uh, yeah. and then sort of center around that. But then that would be, you know, it would be out of time with, with all the other shows. So I, I don't know what you'd, there's potential you could do something with them. And I do hope that they use the, uh, the not necessarily the kids cause you know, William's not a kid, but, uh, some of the younger characters in the future for, for one of the shows. Yeah. Again, I mean that, that potentially would maybe mm-hmm. fit in with it. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Cause you've sort of already got it. Beyond, sort but... of already got it there with the, with the flash forwards yeah. last season with Arrow. So yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the only other characters that I can think of, if they are going to use people that haven't shown up, because I was looking through the list of sort of, there's a list online of top 100 DC characters, and the only ones that really stand out that they haven't used at all is Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. And they actually have a had a comic book run, which I think was called Blue and Gold, and uh, they, they work quite well as a duo, those characters. Uh, and Booster is from the future as well well but he comes back in time so you could that that's another character that you could use that has connections to that future sort of thing so that's a that's another possibility uh and blue beetle there are various versions of ted cord i think he's one version of blue beetle and then jamie reese is the other one who is a sort of younger blue blue beetle um so you have a sort of older mentor relationship that you can have with that as well do you think that after crisis is finished we'll have a better idea of like what could happen in the future because that's going to yeah. presumably change a lot of things as well so we'll see what happens with that I guess which we won't know until actually next year because there's the other two episodes next year so yes yeah because that's going to change a bunch of things so so I, I'm sure there is stuff that will come out of of that which maybe points to the direction of another potential new show I would have thought I like the idea of a new Arrowverse show you know yeah. even if it I, is, does end up replacing one that's already there I mean I would be sad to see Legends go because I do like the fact that it's the sillier of the of those shows and it's mm-hmm. it's such fun but you know if they are going to replace one that seems like the obvious thing to take out i would have thought yeah because i mean i don't think because once arrow finishes and batwoman comes in i know i know they kind of started their new seasons at the same time but that will eventually be the lineup is arrow will come out and batwoman will stay there you'll be at five shows i don't i don't think you can run with six shows so i do think you have to end one of the other current ones so because mm. six is just that's just a lot of television as much as we love all these shows six of them is a lot and they do yeah. and some of them do run for 23 episodes some of them run for 13 or 16 yeah. um but I, I don't know well so we'll see what they do but um yeah i mean as i say if it ends up being new characters booster and blue beetle are the only two that i can see that would be obvious picks um it may be that they go for something else entirely but they've used quite a lot of those characters in various different forms so it's difficult to say but uh i would like to see i like to see a booster because i love booster he's a fabulous character uh and booster and blue beetle will be good batman beyond i would love to see a live action version of that but who knows we'll we'll have to see what they do with it 
moving on to other things I've been watching this week. Uh, Orange is the New Black, I finally finished. Uh, I thought they did a fabulous, fabulous job with rounding that series off. The penultimate episode does keep you wondering that whole of that last season, right up to the penultimate episode, it's very, very difficult to see where the characters are going and what's happening with them because it leaves them in some very, very dark places. And it doesn't necessarily offer a complete resolution to everybody and it maybe leaves a couple of things potentially dangling but it wraps things up satisfactorily enough but there are potentially threads that you could pull on if they wanted to revive it at some point for like a movie version or you know uh, some special in five years or something you know you could there are things that you could pull on later on because it's you know not everybody obviously not everybody is going to get out by the end of it because that would be ridiculous it's seeing the various ways that the characters leave or what places they end up is very well handled I thought I really really enjoyed that and it's it's heartbreaking in places it's sad it's uplifting in other places really solid final season because Orange is the New Black has been a little up and down on some of the seasons but I thought they did an amazing job with the last one so uh, I'm trying not to spoil anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah go go watch it it's, it's well well worth watching cool I haven't uh, started the final season yet so <laughs> yeah no it's, it's really good the other thing that was new that I watched this week FBI which is the new <laughs> Dick, Dick Wolf drama now how far did you get in this because <laughs> you watched I think, this I think I got 20 something minutes into the wow. um, first episode it was just that kind of thing of like okay I like this like I did like it but yeah. then I thought like okay this is going to have 23 episodes and it's going to run into the October stuff and do I want to yeah. I guess make the commitment and I, I might go back to it still I did like it enough to where I found it interesting but it's just it's just that the 23 episode just really kind of put me off in a way yeah so. for me it, it's more a case of it doesn't have any hook to it you know I mean FBI is a Dick Wolf procedural drama Dick Wolf's the guy behind the Chicago franchises it's a procedural series which is set in an FBI field office and that's kind of it I mean it's it's perfectly fine if you like those sorts of procedurals and if that's the, your thing go for it but if I'm watching a procedural like whether it's it's a cop procedural or a medical procedural I need something extra to it you know it's like the good doctor where you've got the lead has autism so you've yeah. there's a sort of interesting hook there or New Amsterdam which is you know another medical procedural where the lead character who has cancer but he's also the medical director and you know it's a sort of more interesting setup and it's a really nice collection of characters they've got there FBI just felt really generic to me I mean, it was interesting enough and the storyline was okay, but there's nothing particularly standout. I mean, if you want a solid procedural, something like 911 is a really interesting way of handling a procedural where mm-hmm. the hook in that is the fact that it's the 911 calls. But the way that that is structured and held together is quite different to a normal mm-hmm. traditional procedural. And I think there's that works so well. There's certainly more going on in that yeah. show than there is in the other. And plus the characters have a lot more depth and stuff. Yeah, I, I I think that is the thing with FBI. It seemed very surface and, mm-hmm. you know... I- 
it I was found the, fine. I found but... the whole bomb stuff at the start kind of interesting because you wondered who it was and then whether it was like a serial bomber or whatever. That was kind of interesting. But I, I mean, you know, I only watched, I guess, half the first episode, but uh, I kind of agree. It didn't have a like specific hook, like you say. Yeah. So. I mean, even something like The Rookie has a decent well, it's got hook Nathan to Fillion, it. So. Yeah, and, and it's got Nathan Fillion. I mean, that's, that's yeah. worth it, in it on its own. But it has a nice hook, the idea of this kind of older person becoming a rookie cop. I, I think he's a, he's a really interesting hook. FBI, you could have transplanted that storyline into a whole bunch of different other procedural dramas and it would have been basically the same. There's just nothing specific to it. That That's where I had a problem with it. So, I mean, I've watched the first episode. I've got the second episode because they released two. They did a double bill when they uh, yeah. launched it. And I mean, I will go and watch the second episode and see f- sort of how things grow and manoeuvre from there. But I, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if you like procedurals, I'm sure you'll like it. You'll find it entertaining enough, but it, there's just not enough substance to it, really, um, mm-hmm. to keep me hooked. And like you say, it's going to be like a 22 episode, 23 episode run or whatever it is. And I, I not sure I can <laughs> I can commit to that particularly same problem as you when October comes back around it's going to end up dropping away from it but right, yeah. we'll see but yes not the greatest choice I don't <laughs> think but it has got a second season and it's got a spin-off because it's Dick Wolf you know so it's got uh, FBI Most Wanted which is also coming as well in other things, gaming-wise, I've discovered a new base-building game called Oxygen Not Included, which got its full relief, release a few weeks ago. It's been in alpha for or beta for ages and early access and, and that sort of stuff. So it has been around for an awful long time. It's a base-building game. It kind of put me off initially because it's side-scrolling. It's not like a 3D thing. It's a 2D side-scrolling thing with sort of cutesy graphics. Uh, graphics like are a, lovely. Like a Fallout show type of thing yeah well I think it looks wise Fallout Shelter is quite a good reference point but that's pretty much where the similarity ends you have far more control than you, you know with Fallout Shelter you're like I need to build a storeroom you pick storeroom and it places a storeroom with this you're building individual rooms and bases and then building stuff within the rooms it's massively more detailed than those cutesy graphics would have you believe you know so you're building in pump systems and wiring systems and you've got to make sure that you're not overloading circuits by building circuit breakers to the various different floors you've got to make sure that you're kind of building filtration systems and you you can't just plump down a filtration system it's a case of okay i've got to build this thing that build oxygen i've then got to build a pump that pumps the unnecessary gas out of this room into a different room and you know so it's massively massively detailed and may way more detailed than the kind of cutesy graphics really give away on the surface uh, and it's it's another one of those games that's sort of a start playing at like midday and then left up and it's midnight you know it's it's one of those sort of things that I just get completely sucked into mm-hmm. um, I think it's absolutely fantastic they've done an amazing job with it and um, the graphics actually once you're sort of playing it as I say I'm not a huge fan of those kind of 2D stuff although I did love prison architect and prison architect is very simplistic kind of graphics but 
it's probably got more in common with something like Prison Architect than it does with something like Fallout Shelter, despite the fact that it has that side-facing sort of Fallout Shelter look. It has more in common in terms of depth and building systems and that sort of stuff. It's more in common with something like Prison Architect. It's only available on PC, Linux, and Mac at the moment. It screams something that would work well on a handheld, uh, so it would work very well as a Switch game if they decide to do that, and I think it will work well as a console game as well. So uh, I, I expect they will probably release it on that at some point, but uh, definitely worth going to take a look at. If you're into those sort of prison architecty type base building games, Oxygen Not Included is definitely worth a look. The only other thing this week, Titans dropped a new trailer. Have you seen this? Yeah, kind of dropped out of nowhere, didn't they? Yes. Um, yeah. So they, it was pretty cool, though. Uh, they seem to be building with uh, you know new characters and stuff like that. It seems like they're going bigger and better than, than Season 1. I remember Season 1 felt a little bit sort of disjointed in places, and now that they've set up certain characters and you know they teased mm. certain characters at the end of Season 1, didn't they? Uh, and those will come into this trailer and stuff. Um, yeah, just looks like they're building a bigger set of characters and they're going to do some cool stuff. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, we've got the Connor Kent version of Superboy coming in. There's uh, Aqualad coming in this season as well. Um, they teased Deathstroke in that trailer, uh, the new version of Deathstroke, who isn't uh, the Arrowverse version. It's a, it's another one as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think there was some really interesting stuff. I, I mean, I hope Netflix run it reasonably quickly after the uh, US broadcast on um, DC, DC Universe. Universe. We'll, we'll have to see how long it takes them to bring it over. But, uh, yes, yeah, so Titan's trailer is up on the website if you want to go and take a look at that. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's well worth looking it's at. It's a little bit earlier this year, isn't it? I think it's September. Yes. That yeah, it's September. I think it was October it. last year. So it's September this year. Um, that mm-hmm. may mean that we get it on Netflix in December. It may mean that it will come back in January. That is assuming they have picked it up for a second season. I'm assuming they have, but I don't know at the moment. And since we don't get much advance warning from Netflix these days, we'll have to wait <laughs> and see. That's all the stuff we've been doing. Now move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> We start the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, the one that we mentioned earlier, the OA, has been cancelled after two seasons, much to the annoyance of quite a lot of people, it seems. I do wonder whether they'll do what they did with Sensei and maybe bring that back if there's a big enough outcry for a sort of movie, because it ended on a cliffhanger, I think, at the end of the second season. So I do wonder whether they maybe get a movie out of that, but that's a bit of a shame that it mm. sort of ended where it did. US Network FX has renewed Snowfall and Atlanta for fourth seasons. So, uh, and Atlanta season three hasn't even aired yet, and they've renewed it for a fourth. Basically, um, nailing Donald Glover down to make sure yeah. that he can do four seasons, and they've got him contracted for it, I think, before he goes off and does more stuff. Because, I mean, that's basically the reason that season three isn't out already, is because Donald Glover hasn't had time to do it. So, oh, uh, what was he? What else is he? I mean, he did Lion King, didn't he? The, the voice for somebody. Yeah. Well, he was. That. Doing the voice for Lion King, he was doing Into the Spider Verse. He oh, did yeah. a Star Wars movie. He did as well. Oh yeah. So all yeah. that stuff got in the way of him doing the third season, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is coming. Season three is coming next year. I'm, they're planning, I think, on shooting season three and season four back to back. So sort of squashing him in as much as they possibly can. Whether mm. they'll do more seasons after that, I don't know. But it will very much depend on Donald Glover's availability. I'm always sort of um, like I don't 
expect to enjoy the seasons of Atlanta and then I really, really do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I just sort of, I end up starting them because with the first and with the second season, they were fully out and I was like, huh, I haven't catched the season of, of Atlanta with specifically season two. And I watched it. I was like, why did I not watch this when it was weekly? But uh, yeah, Donald Glover is really, really talented. So I'm looking forward to seeing whatever he does do in the future. Yeah. yeah. Snowfall was really good as well. Snowfall was a thing about the rise of the crack epidemic in America. Um, okay. That was um, two seasons of that have gone out over here. Third season, I think, is running in the US. If they go to plan the third season of that will probably arrive in the autumn in the UK because that's when they've aired the last two seasons but that was very good Snowfall airs on BBC Two Atlanta premieres on Fox UK and then airs again on BBC Two later on through their uh, deal with FX they're both back for fourth seasons Uh, FX also ordered a new American crime story uh, American crime story impeachment or impeachment colon American crime story as they're calling it this one um, that's following the uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal is the idea for that one. There was originally talk of the third season being based around Hurricane Katrina, but I think they decided logistically that was going to be too difficult and they scrapped that idea. So uh, this is what they're going with instead, which will be a lot easier to manage, I'm fairly sure. And it's the usual, some of the usual players back. Uh, Sarah Paulson is back, I think, on it. So yeah I think that could be uh, could be quite good that'll be the third season of American Crime Story that's impeachment and uh, they've announced the air date for Peaky Blinders season 5 that is coming on the 25th of August at 9pm on BBC One that is a Sunday which I think is where it's usually aired so uh, yeah season 5 Peaky Blinders Sunday 25th of August at 9pm on BBC One I think is this the first time it's been on BBC One I can't remember I, I, I couldn't tell you I can't remember <laughs> I, don't have the, I don't have any history with the show right, okay. I need to start it and watch it because I've heard just endless amounts of good stuff yeah no about it's, it. But, really, uh, really good show. And it's not that long. They're only like six episodes or something. Yeah, each, so. it is on uh, Netflix as well. I yes. The first four seasons or, or whatever. So. Yeah, I think they co-fund it, Netflix. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on to bigger news stories. Amazon has picked up a paranormal horror comedy called Truth Seekers <laughs> from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, which I'm very, very excited about. They announced, mm-hmm. uh, the guys has announced that they were doing this quite a few months ago, which I think we spoke about it then. But... Uh, now Amazon have, have ended up being the studio that are backing it and airing it. Uh, it's an eight-part series, stars Nick Frost as Gus and Simon Pegg as Dave, part-time paranormal investigators who team up to uncover and film ghost sightings across the UK, sharing their adventures on an online channel for all to see. However, as they stake out haunted churches, underground bunkers and abandoned hospitals with their array of homemade ghost-detecting gizmos, their supernatural experiences grow more frequent and more terrifying and even deadly as they begin to uncover a conspiracy that could bring about Armageddon for the entire human race. I just love the sound of this. Um, Yeah. Well, it's it's just the sort of thing that Peg and Frost do so well. It's a shame they've not teamed up again with Edgar Wright for it because I think that would add even more to it. But um, I I still have a lot of faith in Simon Pegg and Nick Frost to be able to pull this off. I think it could be absolutely brilliant. It's uh, James Serafinowicz is also involved in this as well. He's uh, co-writing it. He was one of the co-writers on uh, Sick Note, which was Nick Frost 
show and the Peter Serafinowicz show. So I'm assuming James is probably his brother, I imagine. I hope that uh, Sick Note comes back because I did like that. Not known for a third season on Sick Note yet. So okay. uh, Nate Saunders, who also wrote on Sick Note and Trollied, co-writing as well. I think it looks like it could be uh, great. It's been directed by Jim Field Smith, who did Episodes and uh, The Wrong Mans, both of which were fabulous shows. Uh, episodes in particular, I absolutely adored. Solid, solid group of people behind it. And it's exactly the sort of thing you'd expect from uh, Simon Pegg <laughs> and Nick Frost. Yeah, so. especially with the history and stuff with like was it Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead yeah. and uh, World's End which wasn't as good as the others but uh, it was still pretty good there was a film that these two did uh, last year in October it was like a horror kind of comedy I can't remember oh, the name yeah, of the yeah, film yeah. No, but I, I can't never got around to seeing that I didn't, I I didn't see it either, that. but um, I like the fact that they're doing this as a TV series and not a movie as well. So, you know, yeah, I, it's I think, a bit more long form. Yeah, so. I, think, I think it would be nice to see them back in long form. Don't know when that's coming out yet, but it will be coming to Amazon Prime worldwide, that show. Sticking with sort of horror, less comedy, though, in this, uh, there is apparently over at Amazon as well an Event Horizon TV series in the works. Now, do you know the sci-fi horror film Event Horizon because it was out in 1997 so you were what two something like that that's a few years old yeah um no i don't remember it at all really it is worth watching it's a fabulous and somewhat terrifying sci-fi horror film it was directed by uh, paul ws anderson written by philip eisner the title refers to a spaceship that disappeared after testing an experimental gravity drive capable of creating an artificial black hole that was meant to allow the ship to travel to distant points in the galaxy a rescue crew and gravity drives inventor are sent to investigate when the ship mysteriously reappears only to discover that the ship has travelled to a hellish dimension outside the known universe and infected it with a sinister sentient life form leading to multiple deaths. Uh, So it it was absolutely terrifying that film. Uh, It was brilliant and uh, they're now looking at the possibility of turning it into a TV series. I mean, I don't know how well this will work as a TV series. It's an interesting thing to pick up. Adam Wingard is exec producing and directing the potential series. Uh, he did Godzilla vs. Kong, which is due out in theatres next year. Previously directed films like Blair Witch, the Blair Witch reboot, sorry, not the original Blair Witch, The Guest, You're Next and the live action version of Death note which isn't an amazing track record i have to say uh so i I don't know it's an interesting property to pick up i know it's quite an old film for for you but if you like sort of horror and you like sci-fi event horizon is which i know you like both i would go and watch event horizon maybe one you can do with one of your classic reviews because i would say it was uh, it is a classic movie it's a classic kind of horror movie i would say at this point 1997 that was out i'm so old uh, <laughs> uh, and lastly, a, a story which I'm sure you'll be very happy about. Spider-Verse's Philip Lord and Chris Miller are developing not a single live-action Sony Marvel TV show, but a set of live-action Sony Marvel TV shows. They're sort of developing a TV universe based on the Marvel characters that Sony owns. Now, they've not specifically said it's a Spidey series, but given that the only characters that Sony own from Marvel are Spider-Man related 
it's going to have to somehow be a Spidey series of some description. What they've said is we are developing a handful of live action shows using Sony Marvel characters, of which there are like 900. That was what he was quoted. I think he's being slightly facetious saying there are that many. I don't think there are quite that many, but there are certainly a lot that you can play around with. Yeah, We're figuring out a way to develop the shows so they are each their own unique experience, but are also related. Which sounds a bit like the Defenders Netflix Marvel shows, you know, because they all had their own very distinct brand, but they are sort of related in some way. So I I, I do wonder whether they're kind of looking at maybe doing a set of live action Spider-Verse shows, because although you're not going to see Tom Holland show up as Spider-Man, I I think that's very, very unlikely. I mean, maybe a guest appearance, but I think that's very, very unlikely. And there's going to be a lot, I suspect, going on behind the scenes about what they want to keep hold of for the movie world and you know what Marvel are happy with them just taking and using for TV shows because I imagine there's going to be an ongoing discussion between them about that. I mean, a Miles Morales series might be possible, but you may want to keep hold of Miles as a potential person to take over when Tom Holland eventually retires from being Spider-Man. You know, yeah, you may want to keep him as about Donald Glover and... Like yeah, I think Donald Glover is going to be too it, old, yeah. unfortunately, by uh, the yeah, time probably. it comes round. Because yeah. I don't see Tom Holland necessarily going anywhere particularly soon. But at some point, he's no, going to have it, to give up, and it would make sense what, for them. 10 years or so, maybe? Yeah, or eight yeah years, maybe, roughly. maybe another 10 years. I think maybe another 10 years of him doing Spider-Man, and then you replace him with Miles, but you're going to have to have a younger person playing Miles. There are a whole bunch of other Spider heroes you could have. I mean, there's Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Man Noir, Scarlet Spider. I mean, there are, there are mm-hmm. a whole host of potential other Spider-Men out in the Spider-Verse that you could use. Anything particular you would like to see? Well, I think if they just kind of take the uh, you know the Spider-Men into the Spider-Verse characters, like the ones that you just mentioned, Miles and Spider-Gwen, and uh, I don't think we saw Spider-Woman in there, but Spider-Woman no. as well you could do. Um, yeah, there's already kind of enough characters from sort of that. And you, you could do, if again... Th- uh, if they are allowed to use you know normal Spider-Man, put him in there. You'd probably have to cast somebody new, which uh, I would be picky about. But <laughs> yeah, given um, that they're probably going to want to keep it as under the MCU banner, I suspect. Yeah. You know, I mean, they might not. I mean, it, it's always been a bit iffy about whether that Venom movie is actually part of the MCU or whether it's a separate thing. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I would like this to be part of the MCU in some respects, but. I think using the Spider-Verse as a basis for it allows them to tinker with that a little bit because they are doing things on the Disney Plus channel which are are related to like the Loki series is him sort of wandering around in a multiverse basically. So you could potentially do it that way and use the Spider-Verse for it. Yeah, I think that Tom Hardy's Venom I think needs to eventually be included in something a bit bit bigger but I think with this, uh, the one we're talking about, the specific uh, Spider-Verse TV series I think it makes sense if you actually do separate that from from the MCU and then you just have that as its own kind of separate thing. So this yeah. can kind of be, because they got their animated uh, Spider-Verse, obviously film universe, they're starting now because they're obviously going to be making sequels and stuff yeah. like that. So if you do kind of the same thing, but obviously live action, which is already different, and then TV, so it's long form, and then you do, essentially you do the same thing, but in live action and in TV, and you use kind of the uh, the same characters, but I suppose new, new casted versions of them. It just depends who they pick. So... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see where it goes but I'm excited for it to see where it could build and um, as much as I liked Spider-Verse 
and it will be that will be a long form film universe for them this will be even more because it's TV and more episodes and all that sort of stuff so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do yeah. uh, but we'll see who they who they cast I suppose yeah so. and which characters they use I mean that that's mm-hmm. really what it's going to hang on and I suspect they're not all going to be spider related directly I suspect you know you might get say a black cat series maybe yeah, you do something yeah. like that who, who is a sort of anti-hero of kind of something. thing yeah, yeah. I, I think you know you're more likely to get like one spider series maybe two but you might get a sort of you know the spider-man 2099 series you might get say a spider gwen series so you've got a female fronted spider you might get something like then like a black cat series i mean that that would be the way to do it maybe one following the villain because they you know one of the villains because they've they've got the opportunity to use the villain characters more as well yeah in terms of uh villain stuff i mean eventually once they do i suppose a couple of seasons of these shows build into a sinister six not tv show but season uh, like a yeah. crossover kind of thing you could do that as well obviously you'd have to build the villains up but you can do that over a couple of seasons just like kind of what the Arrowverse has done and then you build into a sinister six so yeah because we haven't seen i think that's probably soon ish in the mcu but um like probably after spider-man 3 so which will you know several years away yet but they could do the same thing but have a, a i don't know necessarily if you could do a season uh maybe you do like a crossover episode sort of thing the same thing they're kind of doing with a crisis maybe um yeah. in that sort of way i mean in the film universe we know they've got venom 2 coming because they've signed up andy circus to direct that which i think is a yeah. great choice they've got a morbius movie due out next year so there's that coming they're supposed to have a night watch and craven the hunter film in development and they were always supposed to be a sinister six film in development but that's been kicking around for a very long time so it would be interesting to maybe do that in tv if they can do that rather than possibly a movie that would be one way of doing it but we don't know how many shows they're looking at we don't know what the what characters they're looking at but it's an interesting idea i think i might have misremembered but wasn't jared leo cast as somebody as something in the spider who wasn't the joker somebody <laughs> after that he was cast for some sort of film for i can't remember Marvel. if it was in uh spider-man but yes jared leto was cast as morbius for that morbius movie and that is definitely coming because they've shot that it's in price production that's coming next year he was dr michael morbius so he's the title character for that so mm. he is part of the sony marvel spider universe is that so, connected to what which universe is that connected to that Again, well i don't think it's the mcu is it no it's not, i don't think yeah. it's directly it's intended to be the second film of sony's marvel universe so okay so that builds on that then yes yeah, so it's it's part of the venom universe i think is the the idea okay cool. yes and then they've got Nightwatch, craven the hunter and supposedly a sinister six but that's been kicking around since like um 2013 they probably carnage as well well yeah i suspect carnage will show up in venom i would have thought right in venom um, 2 maybe yeah maybe yeah. show up in venom 2 because didn't he he show up at the end of yeah it was uh yeah, woody, yes. woody harrelson so yes potentially potentially that you'll get carnage there but we'll be it's very interesting to see what they're doing over there and what they're mm-hmm. playing around with but i love lord and miller and i think they they've done a fabulous job with mm-hmm. uh, most of the films they've been involved with so uh yeah I, i'm looking forward to seeing more mm. of that and uh, see what they do with the tv shows yeah be interesting so that's all the news we've got for this week next move on to the interview ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The interview this week is with the Man in the High Castle cinematographer Gonzalo and Matt. We have interviewed Gonzalo before, uh, way back in December 2016 for season two of the show. He's the director of photography for the critically acclaimed series Man in the High Castle, which returns for its fourth season on the 15th of November this year. Along with working on High Castle, he shot the pilot episodes for Seal Team and Happy. Uh, he also worked on Person of Interest, Paranormal Activity, the Mark ones as well. He's a fabulous cinematographer. He's one of those names that if you see them on a credit list, you know that it's going to look absolutely lovely. So uh, he's a really, really great guy. He was wonderful to talk to. So we catch up with him and uh, see if we can get a little bit of information about uh, what's to come up in the fourth and final season of Man in the High Castle, which, as I said, returns on the 15th of November. Here's the interview with Gonzalo Wilson. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. It's lovely to be talking to you again. I'm very much looking forward to the show coming back, even though it is the final season, you know, which I'm sure you're very sad about as well. But (laughs) we have spoken before, but for people that haven't heard the previous interview, do you just want to explain what your job is on the show? Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, the the director of photography, the cinematographer for The the Man in the High Castle. And uh, I would say responsible for all the visuals that would say, including camera, everything that we capture through the camera, like lighting, uh, filters, lenses, camera movement, anything related to the way we capture the show, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. It's so wonderfully shot. Thank you. Just lovely. And uh, which is an odd thing to say about a show about Nazis, but... <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great show. Have there been many changes for the new season? It's, uh, I mean, not visually. Well, I mean, the storylines, I guess, you know, so yeah. you sort of ramp up to the final season, the, the stories sort of kind of line up and end up resolving uh, and all of that. But visually, I would say, I mean, every year we try to kind of regroup and say, what can we do better? And then what can we make better? And then I think this year is, uh, I would say it's probably the combination of the best work from everyone. So I do think it's the best one, even though the one, the previous one's still awesome. This one still, I think we found even better because, uh, you know, every time you work with the same people, every year you continue where you left off. So I think you continue the challenge yourself and then you once you have a year, so three years behind you, there's a lot of things that you don't need to kind of prove or people don't. So you kind of take over your left. And now uh, probably halfway through the season, we kind of knew it was uh, probably a little earlier. We knew it was going to be the last one. So everyone was very kind of giving the best. And uh, and I think that made it also very kind of special, you know, in terms of really taking, um, really kind of getting, sucking all the work with everyone. So it was, it was special in that sense. And then uh, I think visually, we, as always, we try to kind of push it a little more. I would say this one, it's probably, uh, I would say it's a little more stylized just to kind of, in a, in a, in a, in to keep it short, it was more stylized in camera movements. But I would say it's probably more realistic and more uh, gritty lighting wise, even though it's 
still kind of uh, stylish with the lighting. We tried to, we did a lot of available light and we still did a lot of uh, things where we just shot it like it was and just play with the colors on set. And, and uh, I think it's it's really interesting because you get a nice balance of stylized versus reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is something that the show plays around with quite a lot because you've, you've not only got the, you know, I mean, obviously the whole thing is a sort of altered version of reality, but you've got the Nazi side, you've got the Japan side, both of which have got sort of unique color palettes, but you've also got this sort of, I suppose, our world, I guess, as yeah, well. So exactly. you, you've got that coming through as well. I believe the new season plays around with that a bit more as well. So how do you approach setting up the, the different color palettes for, for the different areas? I mean, it, it all it kind of starts with, uh, I mean, all the way from season one, like what each world had their own rules that we all discussed. And then that was also kind of our department had their own like book about what colors they used and um, wardrobe and costumes had their own book about how they, and then we had one for, for, for lighting, you know, like what colors do we like, what colors, what can we use and what don't we like to use on each world. And then now that we, we have like our present world that's introduced in uh, season three, we also kind of had conversations about it. Like how does, how does this world compare to the others and how is it, different from what you've seen in the 60s like a real footage so we kind of play with a kind of a stylized version of of our vision of the 60s so it's kind of the show's version of the 60s so it does feel different than the other worlds but it's still within the same rules like we don't really do a lot differently when it comes to lighting so i would say there's a little more color here and there and then also just a little more it's i would say it's a little happier <laughs> compared to the other worlds you know yeah. but still kind of keeping it with the same world because we still want it to feel like the same show yeah so it's very subtle i would say very subtle changes from world to world so people know where they are but at the same time you know it's season three so people kind of know and season four even people know where they are roughly so we've played a little more but with sort of crossing some lines between worlds you know depending more on the content of the scene yeah it's a nice little sort of visual reference that that just helps the viewer to know straight by looking at it where they are which is, mm. is great you see it with with people doing flashbacks and stuff on tv shows that, that that's quite a useful technique so how much of that is actually captured directly in the camera and how much of it is sort of stuff that you're tweaking afterwards um i would say probably 90 percent is the way we do it on set really yeah we do kind of we we when we start a scene we put the camera we do always try to do the wide shots first so we choose a nice wide angle and and then from there, we literally put the camera, we start lighting, we start playing with color and say, okay, what is this color? And then we kind of all get together with uh, with me, with my department, you know, like um, Gaffer, Keygrip, and my DAT, and then we, uh, operators. And we just kind of look at the scene and... And then we, uh, I mean, with a more with with lighting, uh, I would say, okay, let's try a little cooler. So we we play with this or a little warmer, and whatever we color we set, that's what's sent to the lab for reference. So the dailies come out with that color, and then at the end we do a final uh, color correction with, um, you know, I sit down with a colorist who's also part of the team, and then we basically go scene by scene and say, okay, does it make sense? Sometimes we change stuff that was the way it was originally shot, but very rarely do we go do that. I mean, it's just mostly about my matching and making it a little smoother on transitions yeah but i normally take my um the cut that i have they send me a high resolution of the cut so i i sit side by side and i so i remember what i was thinking on when i shot the scene <laughs> like this is this is a still that i have from the day of the shoot and this is what uh, we have now let's make it like this so i think i maybe i did it a little too warm let's take it a little out so yeah it's really yeah. so i would say but it's it's amazing how close it's to what we do on set wow i yeah. i'm surprised i i suspect i thought there'd be more more, more but that that's amazing 
that you do that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's a great process, and we have the same people uh, in this all these departments since uh, season probably I wouldn't say season probably the end of season one, and then that, so that way we know each other very well, and we we're always kind of playing. Hey, you know this scene. What about doing this, or what about doing that, or just playing with ideas, and then it it really it kind of plays nicely when you see it in the end, you know. Yeah. Um, just for the tech geeks out there, what cameras do you shoot the show on? Well, season one we shot with uh, Epic, with the Red Epic. Right. And then season two, we went with, uh, which transitioned to Alexa, and then just a regular Alexa. And then uh, season three, I think we did Alexa SXT, which had, it, it has like different formats and I think has different sort of encoding and cards and stuff. And then season four, we did Alexa Mini. So we kind of ended up doing a few different cameras, even though Alexa doesn't really, the image is the same since the first uh, season two until the, the fourth one. Uh, just the camera's a little smaller and we were able to just, you know, it's a little more location friendly with, uh, with right. the smaller Alexas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it has a, the interior filters we really liked because we sometimes we ended up using two filters and then when you add an, uh, also add another filter on top and then you use contrasty lighting it's it's kind of a too much so we ended up liking the internal NDs with one thing less to change when you're pressure of time you know yeah and yeah. it's easier on people carrying the things around as well so. exactly <laughs> it is it's just faster for everyone because you know it's just a little friendlier even though it ends up being a considerable size camera it's still not the size of a like a huge studio camera yeah absolutely um since since we spoke to you last we've interviewed a couple of other people that work on the show uh, uh the composer yes. dominic lewis who also works on ducktales which i find absolutely hilarious <laughs> sort of yeah. you know uh -huh. animated ducks in the morning nazis in the afternoon <laughs> and uh, uh lawrence deming uh, from barnstorm yes as well yeah. uh, we interviewed and i was amazed at quite how much of that is visual effects work i mean you know, yeah, you expect yeah. a certain amount of it, but you know, he was saying even things like obviously people don't want Nazi flags hung down their buildings, so they'll hang red banners and then put the exactly. Nazi paraphernalia on afterwards. So yeah, e even things like that. I'm guessing you work very closely with the VFX guys yes. as well. Yeah, I mean Lawson and I, uh, you know, he was he joined us on the last episode of the first season to do that uh, to when Tagami transitions onto the other world, which was a huge uh, visual effects sequence. And then he stayed with us for the rest. And he's been great. He's amazing. Uh, he comes from a cinematography background. So he's he has a really great eye at seeing what is real and what's not. So he's amazing when it comes to, okay, let's match the shadows. And so we were kind of always uh, um, working very closely together. But at the same time, he's great about not doing, not having too much impact on the rhythm of production. Because sometimes visual effects uh, stuff, it takes a lot of time. And, mm -hmm. and But he's great about not, you know, you still have the rhythm, you still have to get the scene and stuff. And sometimes you could, don't even have time to do a green screen or and they're great about just like okay let's just make it work you know and there's there's a lot there's a lot of set extensions there's a lot of like clean up of science of you know signage cars modern cars stuff like that yeah and they just um, more basic stuff like even sometimes so you can see a microphone on an actor you can see it behind the shirt so they take that out or or just uh, enhance a little bit of the and now all the transitions from world to world you know but uh, at the same time they do make a huge effort to make them very invisible so that's 
point people don't even realize how much there, there is because they had they're so good at it that they you can't really tell how many effects there are you know yeah just looking through because obviously they've got show reels and stuff the amount of work is incredible and one of the things i i know a little bit about sort of the visual effects stuff and obviously with you shooting it as well having done bits of 3d modeling and mm-hmm. that sort of thing myself the lighting stuff is so important to be able to kind of match all that stuff together so i mean that that must yeah. be interesting from your side of things to sort of making sure that everything matches up properly yeah because sometimes you um you know sometimes and we ended up using more and more this last two seasons as we had a little more visual effects just programming stuff that we can repeat you know so we would uh okay be in a set that uh, has a transition or has uh, a certain amount of uh color and certain things so we program that it, we record all the information and then we can repeat exactly <laughs> from that scene in somewhere somewhere else and if there's a transition we know exactly there's i mean just those programs for for lighting and uh, and stuff that way our uh, team was very proficient in using and then those would be applied to the visual effects or you know this scene literally you know we're doing a visual effects for this scene i would just literally pull it up in a menu and say okay this scene we shot it with these settings and then the stage would go back to that setting <laughs> with the color of temperature we had because everything now is on like led and um, programmable everything you know how much light you had on each light mm. each moment all the lighting cues so it's pretty amazing i mean it's all uh, there's one person kind of dedicated to that so it's quite a, an interesting thing and then uh, of course there are all the we do a lot of preparation before like so okay so we're doing this scene what's what's best for visual effects do you guys need blue or green what kind of lighting is it better if it's backlight or if it's better if it's how do we match this as you know stuff like that it was just a constant conversation with everyone you know so yeah. um and you have to because it's for the good of everyone you know yeah yeah as i say i mean you pair of you do an incredible job of it because I wouldn't you would yeah. never know <laughs> you like some of this comes from from just the collaboration with, with yeah. just so much talking and so much understanding what we're going for and he also gets it that was something we were going for something like this so he really supports it and the other way you know we're like okay this is a scene that's mostly going to be visual effects so let's try and support them as much as possible so it's a really great teamwork you know yeah that's a respect yeah in terms of, of stuff you've done on the show obviously you can't tell me anything about the upcoming season because you won't want to spoil anything but in terms of <laughs> stuff that you have done so far is there a particular scene that you're most proud of yeah um i think every like every episode because you know it's like doing a movie every time you do an yeah. episode you're basically doing a month of work you know you do like two weeks of preparation and then two weeks of shooting so it's basically a full month like so every every episode there's something that you're like i'm really proud of this scene i'm really proud of what we achieved here with the time we had so i think every every time we do that and then there's a lot on the new season and then in last season i would say i mean a lot of uh, probably the, one of the things i'm most proud of is uh, that tunnel um in the end of episode 10 because mm. that was a huge sort of a really big um a lot of work when it comes to thinking concepts behind it and the execution for that so that proved to be really a real achievement for a lot of people including myself just how to go from an idea on paper to something that you can see and it was mostly practical like all the lighting effects which is a little bit of uh, help from visual effects about helping the set but uh, I, I would say that's probably one of the best things I've done and then in the new season there's a couple of scenes like that too which I'm really happy and really kind of proud of that we we achieved you know and that 
for me in the end it, it's uh, if you can achieve that someone gets moved by something by a scene or gets convinced that's you kind of uh, you did it and sometimes that means just one actor with a camera you know sometimes it's very simple it doesn't have to be huge mm. every time we have cinematic moments like that uh, I really think I really kind of happy for, for the, having achieved those you know yeah what would you say has been your most interesting experience while working on the show I think I mean that's always I, th- I guess that's the nature of film which is has to do the time that you have to do things with the expectations that are you know that people have from the what do you have to do and how you get there you know it's like how do you get sometimes from a line on a script that says and the event you know the, the uh, you know and in this case we're just talking about the tunnel and how this event it starts to happen and they're like well yeah but that what does that look like you have to visualize <laughs> yeah. it so, and then at the same time is you, you don't have unlimited time or unlimited budget so you have to make it work with all of that so it, i would say it's a little bit like uh, cooking like the right amount of things put together in the right time then it, it, you get a good result but it's it's very challenging and you need a lot of good brains around you to help you achieve that you know yeah i imagine that there are certain times when a script lands on your desk and like something there's there's one line that somebody's written like <laughs> the plane explodes or something like that and you go exactly. oh, for god's sake <laughs> <laughs> I know. And we've had every every time there's a lot of, of that, you know, because the writers have a, something in their mind. And, then, you know, if it's doable, then we'll say, OK, how do we do this? And uh, and then and if it's if it gets very complicated, then we'll go back to them and say, hey, how can we? there's a lot of uh, communication with the writers all the time and production, like what's possible and what's not. And then, but most of the time, it's like whatever they're trying to go for ends up being in the page, no matter with a lot of work from a lot of people, you know, from the concept <laughs> all the way to the execution of a last guy with a lane cable, you know? So yeah. it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm very, very much looking forward to it coming back because uh, it's such a fabulous show. Uh, there was one other thing which I think you worked on since we last spoke. Um, Happy. Yeah. Was it the pilot you did for that? Yeah, yeah. I shot the pilot. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That was completely different. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. It's uh, I have. It's, it's a fabulous show. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how I fell into it. I think they just—it was probably through my agent—and they sent it to me. And I was familiar with Brian uh, Taylor's work. And then we got together. We started to. There was a lot. It was a really interesting show because it was also like every almost every scene had a visual effects element, and mm. you know the animated the creature and all of that. And it was really interesting. And just the but the style was great too because it was uh, sort of that super gritty, but also stylized uh, yeah. view of New. That you really, really enjoyed, and it was a lot of fun to shoot because we we did a lot, and you know, shooting this a little bit like over the top you know, stuff was really a lot of fun. Yeah, the amount of visual effects working that as well, like you say, is it must be ridiculous because you're dealing with a tiny animated blue horse slash unicorn throughout the entire thing. Yeah. So. yeah, so every shot we had to you know do the pass with the gray ball and the mirror ball. So you know, what's the camera movement and what's the lens and just every every almost every shot. So it's pretty time consuming. You just get plates for everything so just add like you know you mm. have to add that into consideration yeah ran for two seasons and suddenly not coming back again but I did love that show it was amazing yeah yeah it was fun so you're now at the end of, of High Castle have you got anything else lined up you can talk about sure I'm right now I'm shooting uh, I'm in South Carolina and I'm shooting a project for Netflix called uh, Outer Banks which is, is pretty cool it's just like about some young guys in the beach and the, like surfers and sort of all the whole interaction it's like an ensemble um, project. 
with a lot of really talented young kids. So I'm doing a, two episodes of that with some people that I know from, from my past uh, work. Cool. And then after that, I'm going to go to Los Angeles to do a little bit of directing. Oh, wow. I've been doing, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of, I did a, a directed an episode of that uh, TV show called Seal Team. Oh, yes. Which is, uh, I love yeah, that show. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I shot the pilot for that. So after, I remember, uh, yes. Yeah. So after the pilot, we kind of really connected with the team, uh, like with the, uh, the director and the writer and, and all of them. And then they, they at one point were like invited me to come direct. So I did one episode last year, which was great. It was a really good experience coming from film and from, uh, from shooting into that. And then uh, this year I'm going to go back and do a few more. So that's, uh, oh, that's what's next for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. I I love that show. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of David Barrettis from back in the day when he did Angel. But um, what I love about that show is the fact that a lot of those sort of army shows are like a bunch of army guys go on a mission. You see the mission end, and, okay. and I like the fact that it's got a lot more background about the you know the, the that's sort of part of it. But there's a lot more about the lives of the guys and the stress. And I think it's okay. really well constructed that show. Yeah, and it's you know it's a it's a show that's been it's advised by real Navy SEALs. So there's a right yeah there's like two or three all the time on set there's some of them that are in front of the camera like every time you have like the six the team of six guys either the front or the back guy are real navy seals <laughs> right with like maybe 20 years of experience one of the producers was also a navy seal so <laughs> then you do have that uh all the time and they, they tell you about their lives and their families and stuff and that's what they wanted to portray you know mm. to make okay it's it's a job too you know this people yeah. have to do this work and then they have to get paid but it uh, just has a you know huge risk to their lives and so it's not like a regular job and the stakes are so high so the writers wanted to kind of capture that and i think they did a really good job yeah no it's a, it's a really really good show i'm i'm very much looking forward to that coming back as well last couple of questions we did this last time as well so i know what your answers were last time so uh, <laughs> first question is what tv shows are you watching at the moment oh well, I, I was watching uh, euphoria show in on hbo oh yes not started over here yet but i am looking forward to that yeah yes. really well done and uh, really well written I think really interesting and then I've been watching uh, let me think before that well I, I, I like the Ozarks a lot so I've like oh, yeah, the yeah. first season of that yeah the yeah. second season sorry which I really like and I was watching Big Little Lies too that um, yeah. that VO show too which is great yeah and uh, the usual Showtime Billions uh, which I also worked oh. on that oh did is, yeah I love Billions yeah I did, uh, I did I shoot part of the last episode of the last season it was amazing like working with that show the, the writing yeah. and the writing it's just such an amazing project yeah yeah so those are kind of the, the ones I'm watching now right now yeah, yeah yeah great 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 show that and if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show past present or future which show would it be I would say I mean past probably I would say like The Sopranos <laughs> The Sopranos <laughs> amazing or uh, I mean of course Game of Thrones yes just a kind of a, a great achievement and then there's some shows that I really like like very character driven like Escape from Danemora I don't know if you've seen that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. stuff like I, I really like projects like that stuff that are not super epic but just so well written and and, and uh, contained i like that a lot uh, and then future i don't know i mean i like science fiction i like um historical stuff so anything like that would be great <laughs> yeah yeah I'd, I'd love to see you working on a sci-fi show that 
I think that would be... Yeah, that would be fabulous. You're one of those names that if I see it in the credits, I know it's going to look beautiful. So, you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and chatting again. It's always lovely talking to you. Hopefully it won't be quite so long next time we'll get you back on. No problem. It's all good. <laughs> Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Gonzalo and Matt. Man in the High Castle returns for its fourth and final season on the 15th of November this year on Amazon Prime. You can go and watch that. Now some highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week. We have American Housewife, third season of that, back on the W Channel on the 14th of August at 8pm. Comedy series, I think that is. Well, I've never actually watched it. Uh, <laughs> Deep Water, season one of that coming to ITV, 14th of August at 9pm. They've been pushing that quite a lot. It's an emotional thriller set in the Lake District, starring Anna Friel, Sinead Keenan and Rosalind Elazar. That should be quite good, I think. I think they may be dumping that on as a box set i remember reading somewhere as well onto the itv hub but uh, deep water that's called 14th of august for that at 9 p.m uh, league of their own season 14 of that returns to sky one on the 15th of august at 9 p.m pulse season one of that appears on my five as a box set on the 15th of august this is an australian medical drama following a high-flying financial analyst who becomes a doctor no idea whether that's any good but another medical drama if you want to go and watch it uh, the Oath season two. This is coming to my five as well. That's on the fifteenth of August. That's a uh, gritty cop gang drama series, uh, executive produced by Fifty Cent. So you can go and watch that on there as a box set. Then Mind Hunter is back for its second season. That's on the sixteenth of August. Uh, first season of this was absolutely brilliant. Exact produced by David Fincher. It's wonderfully shot. Really interesting. It's about a uh, a couple of guys who work for the FBI's behind your science unit or basically invent the FBI's behind your science unit and their approach to talking to serial killers as a way to solve crimes. I loved, loved the first season of this. So that's uh, Mindhunter season two on the 16th of August on Netflix. That's one that I haven't started, but have been, uh, well, told that I should start. Yeah, so. well, I go and watch season one and then you can run it straight right, into right. season two. Yeah. Definitely worth watching. It's absolutely fabulous. And then Stath Let's Flats. Uh, season two of that back on Channel Four on the nineteenth of August at ten pm. I, I just I missed the first season of this, but I, everybody tells me it's hilarious. So how did that get? Uh, I I thought it was dreadful. <laughs> I don't know how that. All the scenes where he's actually doing the stuff where he's trying to sell flats is all right. Everything outside of that I thought was terrible. So I was really? surprised. I was surprised to see it get a second season. So yeah, um, interesting. Why I actually ended up doing was fast forwarding the scenes where he's not in a flat, and then when he. <laughs> gets to the flat and he actually starts trying to sell the thing which I do thought was the funny part of the show because he's just messing the whole thing up yeah I played those scenes and then the episodes were a lot shorter yeah, <laughs> yeah. fabulous yeah so um, I've not seen it but uh, I know it's quite popular but uh, Stathless Flats season 2 of that on the 19th of August at 10pm on channel 4 that is everything for this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. You can follow me on Twitter at eTalkUK, um, and that's where obviously the, the posts for the podcast and stuff get posted as well. And uh, I'm also looking at, there's uh, EGX and there's uh, MCM Comic Con later in October. They're, they're, I think they're a week apart or something. Yes, they uh, are. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at potentially going to one of those, probably not both of them, but maybe one of them, uh, and I'll see which one, because now that I know how to get to the XL because of uh, Walker <laughs> Stalker, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they've got like loads and loads of stuff there. I went on there 
actual <laughs> they website. They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, uh, they've got and tons of like just different stuff as well. So um, yeah, go and have a look at uh, the XL thing if you want to go to some events. There's plenty to choose from. So yes. uh, and obviously Walker Stalker will be. Uh, I think they've moved it back a bit to uh, February. Uh, next yes, year. it's February so. next year. Walker Stalker and it's Walker yeah. Stalker and Heroes and Villains together. Yes, so that's gonna uh, be pretty cool. So there's both of those. EGX is in October. MCM is also in October. Uh, EGX the 17th to the 20th. MCM 25th to the 27th. So uh, there is one coming up next week as well in Birmingham. You've got Insomnia 65, which uh, I will be going to and will be covering. So uh, that comes up next week. For us, if you uh, want to find out more information, you can, of course, go to geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions and comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.